In the day and age of insta-thoughties and a generation of misfits, we'll lift the golden veil to unearth the dark intrepid confines of the millennial mind. So join me and my not-so-ask-for-efforts to inspire generation to do things they have no business doing. Welcome to Millennial Dysfunction. What is fear? Fear, at its very simplest term, is a physical or emotional reactance to an external stimuli. But aside from having phobias, what else can be in the company of fear? Fear of success, fear of failure, fear of chasing our dreams, fear of so many different things in life. And today, we're going to unpack what it means to be afraid and how to move past it. The thing about fear is that it's such a natural emotion that we don't even realize so many different aspects of our life are actually controlled by fear. When we are confronted with a threat, depending on who we are and what we've experienced in the past, we can react in different ways. We can have a physical reactance to fear. We can be sick, nauseous, tight-chested, and have an immediate response that most of us know as fight or flight. And for me, I'm the type of person that tends to run away and hide in any type of fearful situation. Or you could have an emotional response because fear actually involves some of the same underlying chemical reactions that so many of our other strong emotions like excitement, surprise, and happiness. And as much as I would love to unpack all of our phobias, the fear that I actually want to focus on today is the fear of doing things that we have no business doing, aka the fear of chasing our dreams. So let's talk about that little pesky voice inside, that pesky voice of fear the fear of not having enough time, the fear of no one's actually going to care about what I do, the fear that I'm not good enough, or the fear that no matter how much I try, it's just never going to succeed. Let's try to overcome that state of fear together. Because just like you have that voice, I have that voice 10 times over. And let's unpack that. So whatever form that fear comes in for you, let's try to address it. And before we can even start with this podcast, I'm going to tell you a little bit about where fear comes from and why we even have it. And while you're listening, I I, I want to challenge you to write down some of the things that you're afraid of. And I'm not just talking about your fear of heights. I'm not talking about whether or not you're afraid of dogs. I'm talking about what endeavors have you been afraid to accomplish? How, what challenges have you been faced with and you haven't been able to approach head on? What are some of the things that are holding you back from accomplishing what you want to in life? Whether or not that's getting out of a relationship or starting a new job, moving across the country, or maybe it's the fear of reconciling some of your past emotions. Whatever that fear is, we're here to dive into those fears and try to use fear as a tool to best utilize and optimize our life. Before we can even talk about how we can control our fear, we have to ask ourselves, why? Why do we have this fear and where does it come from? Well, there's a place in your brain called the amygdala. It's about the size of an almond and it's one of the smallest parts of your brain, but it actually has the most influence. The crazy thing about the amygdala is although it's quite small, it is super disruptive. It can vary in different sizes and in the case of the amygdala, size does matter, but we'll get into that in a little bit. The amygdala is actually best friends with another part of your brain called the hippocampus. 
Now the hippocampus sits right around the amygdala and a part of the limbic system in the temporal lobe. Your hippocampus is responsible for your memories. So the reason why your amygdala and your hippocampus are constantly communicating is because your hippocampus is going to be able to guide your amygdala to decipher our past and process any threats that may be a direct danger to us. These are the parts of your brain that not only detect danger, but they play a role in how we detect behavior and control our emotions, adapt, and learn. So you might be asking, why is it important for us to understand what the amygdala does and why it is the way that it is? Well, for a couple different reasons, because although it's so small, it is responsible for so many different aspects of our life that go beyond just accessing fear and our memories. We learn about reward and punishment through our amygdala, handling and using implicit memories, which allows you to remember how to do things like tying your shoe or riding a bike. So you might be asking, how does this relate to our everyday lives? Well, a lot of the times when you're dealing with really stressful situations, we tend to feel something that most everybody knows is fight or flight. A lot of the times when you put into a stressful situation, whether or not you're in imminent danger or whether or not you're just flat out uncomfortable, We want to fight, flight, or if you're like me, hide. There's this really incredible biological phenomenon that actually happens because your amygdala is super vigilant and it's always on. It's called the amygdala hijack. And what happens is that say we hear a loud noise in the background or an unexpected surprise, the amygdala immediately sends a response to our body and that's typically translated into a jump or flinch. Another form of this is when we're thinking about something and we walk through a door into another room. All of a sudden, our mind goes blank. That's your brain's way of staying alert and saying, stop, new environment, must assess. So remember how I had mentioned that the size of your amygdala could potentially matter? Well, back in a 2013 Stanford study, researchers had studied 76 children between the ages of seven and nine. And what they found was quite profound in terms of setting the foundation for amygdala study. They found that children who had lived a life with more traumatic experiences were put in more stressful situations, ended up having more connectivity to their neurons. So what does that mean? It means that the synapses, which is our superhighway, it's what our neurons travel through in order to communicate to the rest of the brain to give us and feed us information, there were more of them. And so that can actually cause for an overactive amygdala, which can lead to more anxiousness and other behavioral disorders. Now, the smaller amygdala can also be traced back to different types of behaviors, anxiety, depression, and even a lack of fearfulness. It doesn't mean that if you have a smaller or larger amygdala that you're going to be more prone to these behavioral disorders. But there is going to be some biological influence that the size of your amygdala may have on your day-to-day life. So why is this important? Why is this important to me? Well, because I've lived an anxious life. And for me, it's almost felt as if though I have had an overactive amygdala and I haven't known how to manage it. So what can we do to try to live outside of that fear? How can we biohack our brain into thinking one thing when it feels like it's inherently being pushed towards a different direction? How do we heal the things within us that tend to make us anxious or fearful? I want to share some tools with you that have helped me tremendously to help take back my power and not be afraid of living my life to the fullest. 
You're probably wondering, how can I conquer my fears? How can I feel as if though I'm no longer prisoner to my own brain? Well, over the last six weeks, I've been working diligently with my therapist on these tools that have really allowed me to just be set free. And when I looked at my fear, I thought it was this complicated thing. I thought it was this most like complicated being that I just would never understand. And then as I started putting these tools into use, I came to realize that fear is quite simple. Fear is just a breakdown of all of the things that we consider the what ifs of life. What if I don't succeed? What if I don't have enough time? What if nobody cares? That's an inner monologue that we have to break. And by shifting our mindset and by using these tools, what we can find is that fear is no longer a foe. Fear is actually a friend trying to guide us in the places that we need to go. Before we can think about anything, I want you to think about this. There are 168 hours every single week. How are you spending that time? Between work, going to work, friends, your relationships, other things that you are prioritizing over your own well-being. What is that number? I want you to take a quick moment to time budget how you spend your time. Where is all of your time going? Because a lot of the times our fear stems from not having enough time, feeling as if though there isn't enough time in the world that's going to allow us to accomplish the things that we want to accomplish. I think you'd be surprised if you were to take everything into account, how much extra time you have per week. So this would be a really good time to pause because what I want you to do is I want you to write down everything that's going to take up your time. That includes work, going to and from work. That includes sleep, meditation, going to the gym, self-care, anything that you can think of that is mandated of you. That is something that you have to do every week in order to feel satiated, in order to feel responsible. Everything that you can think of, put it down on a piece of paper, write down the amount of time that it will take you, and then add that up. And then what I want you to do is I want you to subtract that from 168. Now for me, I have a number of different jobs, all of which with transportation take up about 52 hours of my time. Then there's sleep. That's on average about 55. I then have about 10 hours for my partner, four hours for the gym. And then I have about two to eight hours for self-care and creative time. It's about 127 hours, which means that I have about 41 hours left over. So think about all of the things that you said that you didn't want to accomplish because you didn't have enough time. Well, the craziest thing about this is that I ended up going back to my social media output and I was looking to see how much time was I spending on Netflix and Pinterest and Instagram, TikTok. Well, I think the number is going to astound you. 31 hours. 31 hours of doom scrolling, 31 hours of making space for things that only exist in the technological form. Now, what was I doing? I was kind of creating excuses and saying like, oh, but this is so I can research how to do a DIY for the house, or I just need some time to decompress. And don't get me wrong. All of those things are valid in moderation. 
But what I wasn't allowing myself for was best utilizing the 41 hours of extra time. I was taking up three fourths of my extra time outside of all of my mandatory needs. And I was using it on social media and I was using it by watching movies. I mean, yeah, it was giving me an extra 10 hours technically, but is that the best use of my time? Absolutely not. And so I was making space for that fear because I wasn't living within the means of what I had, which was those 41 hours. So here's the hot take is you do have the time and whether or not you're in the space to accept that is completely up to you. Six weeks ago, I wasn't in the space to accept it. And I would probably still say if I hadn't been actively working on it, that I still don't have the time for any of the shit that I want to accomplish. But I do. It's just about making the time for myself in order to do the things that I want to do. And this is what leads me to the intentionality of setting yourself up for the night before. Because that's what step two is. It's about being intentional with how I'm not only setting up myself up that night, whether or not I'm going to bed early, whether or not I'm staying off of my phone, but it's about knowing that there's a future me lying ahead, 10 hours in the future, and how she wakes up is going to determine how she feels in the morning, whether or not she's satiated and happy and well-rested. So how is my nighttime self setting my future self up for success? That's another thing. We don't really think about that. We don't think about the fact that we are ever-changing people. We're constantly evolving, trying to be a better person. But a lot of the times we go to bed thinking, oh, that's tomorrow's problem. Don't worry, I can get to it the next day. The thing is, is yesterday's problems are today's problems. And we don't just magically wake up thinking we're different people. So one thing that you really need to focus on is the fact that if you're going to be successful, if you're going to live outside of your fear, then you need to establish roots and a routine that are going to help to reinforce positive behavior. Now, for my partner, he wakes up every single day at 3.50, not because he needs to, but because he goes to work at five o'clock and he wants to give himself enough time to get up, make his cup of coffee, take care of what he needs to take care of, maybe read a couple news articles, do his Duolingo, and then still have enough time to go to work and then make himself a second cup of coffee, chat it up with the people in the shop, and then get to work. Because that's part of his morning routine. Now, is that something that we've always had? No, we actually just moved 3000 miles across the Pacific from Hawaii over to Arizona. And what does that mean? It means that when we're living in Hawaii, we had an established friend group and we were drinking a lot more than we normally do. And then we moved to Arizona. We bought our first house. We are getting married within the next couple of years. We're planning a life together. We're trying to reinforce habits that are going to set us up for success in the upcoming years, but it hasn't been easy and we haven't always been happy with our routine. And to say that we're happy when we wake up in the mornings, I'm going to say, fuck no, we are still not morning people. I can tell you that right now. Um, But we really enjoy having that space to just live within our routine and not have to worry about anyone else during that time. That is our time to reflect on what we want to accomplish that day. It's our time to make space for the things that we want to do for ourselves. So whether or not it's him doing his Duolingo or me working on my podcast, we make space because it's important to make space, which brings me 
to the third, and please stay with me after this. I promise you it gets better, (laughs) but you're going to laugh. Go outside. 15 minutes, get some sunlight. I live in a house that, kid you not, I will, I'm not going to show you guys any photos or anything, but it only has six windows in the whole entire house. There are, there's one window in the master, one window in each of the guest bedrooms, a window in the dining room and a window in the living room. And we have like a sliding door, but I honestly wouldn't even consider that a window. Get yourself outside, get some direct sunlight and drink a cup of water. Now, I know that sounds so silly and everyone's going to be like, well, that's like one of the basic tips. I get it. I totally understand it. I have been one of those girlies that's like, nope, I don't want to do that. Or yes, that's so simple. Like, duh. Just go outside, get yourself a cup of water, even if it just means like setting a timer for 15 minutes. Set a timer, go outside, gulp your water. Moment the timer comes in, you can run back inside. Like nobody's stopping you. But go outside, jumpstart your day with some sunlight. Reason being, your circadian rhythm is so flippin' important. It's your biological clock. So if you don't know what your circadian rhythm is, it's your biological clock. It is what aligns your body to the sun. And when you start your day off by going outside, you're pretty much telling your body, hey, it's time to wake up. And if you do it enough times, your body starts to anticipate waking up around the same time every single day. It anticipates going outside, getting some vitamin D that your body very much needs. So for all of those depressed, sad girlies, this is what I also have to recommend. Obviously talk to your doctor, but take magnesium, take your vitamin D. They will drastically help with mood. It will drastically help with stabilizing your emotions. And in all honesty, it kind of just makes you relaxed. It makes you feel like you don't have those anxious thoughts that you might have. And this is another one that I think is so incredibly important is once you've budgeted your time, once you've set your intentions for the night before, once you've gone outside, I want you for at least 21 days, because according to a lot of scientific studies, which I will hopefully link, um, it takes 21 days to create a new habit. And a lot of the times we live, um, in a place of fear because we don't have habits because we don't think that we can make time. Well, we've already determined that you're going to have the time once you've time budgeted. And so you can no, no longer feel like you're a prisoner to time. So how are you going to be able to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish with what time that you have? Make a, make a budget for it and then put it in your calendar, like make space for it. Every single thing. I have my lunch, I have my work, I have my gym, I have my podcast, I have everything in my calendar. And not because I want to, not because I like using my calendar. Hell, I'm one of those girls that buys like a planner every single year and then it gets stuffed into a corner that never is seen again. So whatever black hole holds my planners, I never wish to access it because there's going to be quite literally thousands. So let me just reel it back really quickly. Fear lies in the places in which we think we can't do things. Fear lies within the what ifs. Fear lies in the places in which we think we can't accomplish the things that we can accomplish. Why? Because we're holding ourselves back. Because of what? Excuses. This isn't me being unempathetic or saying that life doesn't happen. Because there are so many extenuating circumstances that we just don't have any control over. 
What I'm saying is that we do have control in our lives, regardless of how little it might feel. And when we look at the broader picture, when we see the full scope of what we can control and we break it down into these simple steps, we can really choose to focus in on the reality in which we want to create for ourselves. One last thing that I want to share with you before we kind of do a recap of everything in today's episode is that my biggest fear, my biggest fear in life ever hasn't been clowns, hasn't been heights, hasn't been a phobia. It's actually been of happiness. I've been so afraid of happiness. I've been so afraid of what would happen if I did succeed because every single happy moment that I've ever had in my life has been followed by a detrimental earth shattering life altering moment. And that's just no way to live. And that's why I created this podcast because I wanted to create a space for someone who was feeling the same way I did, who had the same fears of life, of living, of feeling all of the things that are part of the human experience. That's the difficult thing about fear is that it presents itself in so many different aspects of our life. Because remember, it is attached to so many other emotions that we feel on a daily basis. So don't be afraid of those emotions. Don't feel like just because you've missed a day or you haven't fully established a routine that you are a failure. Give yourself some grace. You are living a very complicated life. The human experience is not easy. And then sprinkle in the technology and the judgment that we have for each other and ourselves and the likability and the popularity and all of these things. And well, I don't understand how anybody is normal now. It's okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to live in that state of fear, but you don't have to. And I have established a different relationship with happiness. I'm no longer afraid of it. Because I view happiness and I view fear as being kind of synonymous. They're my friends. My friend in fear has allowed me to feel empowered. It's allowed me to go after the things that I want to go after, like this podcast. I want to help others in establishing a better routine, a better life for themselves. Because I too was the sad, scared, and depressed girl who couldn't get her shit together and compromised her inherent sense of happiness and the other people's happiness aside from myself. It's just life is hard and it doesn't have to be. So let's go back to our steps. Step one, let's establish a time budget, figure out where are we spending our time and how can we reframe our week? Step two, you need to set yourself up for success the night before because your past self is your future self's best advocate. Step three, get yourself outside, drink your water and get some sunlight because that is what your brain and your body crave. And then don't forget that in the mornings, do something for yourself. Even if it's just a small thing, establish that routine every single day and work at it and stay consistent and really check in with yourself. Is this serving me? Is this serving my passion? Is this really what I want to do? Because that's all that matters is making sure that you have a little time for yourself. Do you know what? And I'm going to add this. This is the last thing because this is what freed me. I'm giving you permission to do whatever you want to do. You don't have to make any money. This doesn't have to be 
a side gig in the day and age of fucking side gigs and side hustles and secondary incomes, you are allowed to do things that don't make you money. That's how you want to spend your time. That's what makes you happy. Find the small joys in life. Just because you're not making an extra couple bucks doesn't mean it's not important. I hope that you got something out of this podcast because I had such an incredible time creating it. It really was super therapeutic and it allowed me to kind of get a lot of things off my chest. So whether or not you choose to put these things into practice or whether or not you choose to completely ignore them, all I have to say is thank you. Thank you for sticking along. Thank you for following all of these steps and thank you for listening because this is my dream this is something that I've been wanting to share and I hope that I get to share in this dream with you my name is Margie I am the host of Millennial Dysfunction and it has been such a pleasure I hope you guys take care and until next time So I hope that this allows you to look at fear in a different light because at the end of the day, we're only ever going to know what we feel inside and how we internalize our emotions. And if we understand where fear comes from and why it's there, then we can understand how we can best utilize it as a tool and use it to reinforce habits that let us move away from fear and allow us to use it as a power use it as a tool, and to chase after our dreams. This has been such a wonderful episode. This has been so absolutely therapeutic for me because six weeks ago, I was so filled with fear that I didn't think that I would ever even get this first episode out. So if you've gotten this far, I just want to thank you because this has been something that has been a dream of mine for so long. And for anybody who is struggling, anybody who is living within that fear, I want you to know that I am your companion. I see you. I understand what you're going through. And this is a space in which we are going to unpack what it means to live the human experience. And more specifically, it's here. We are here as a community to inspire each other to do things that we might be too afraid to do. So my name is Margie. I've been your host. And this is Millennial Dysfunction. I hope you have an incredible day and please take care of yourself.